mercy and grace watching Stargate. They made a podcast that's on iTunes that you should rate. Nix is a super fan, Grace is pretty new. Kaylee the Thorgy will help them make it through. Bartender Nick is here to make them drinks. As they reference random pop culture things. Crying out loud, they'll put a smile on your face. There's no place like Tara with Nix and Grace. Welcome to episode 272 of There's No Place Like Terra, Stargate First Watch Rewatch Podcast. I am Nixie. And I am Grace. And today we are watching yes. Atlantis. Yes. SGA. Uh-huh. Um, the same the same thing. I said it twice. It's fine. Um, it's fine. Season three, episode 20, First Strike, a.k.a. something something sleeping dragons. <laughs> <laughs> My... Because <laughs> I think McKay says he that, did. but I wasn't he sure. He says, don't poke the sleeping dragon. Yeah. Uh, Mike, a.k.a., is because, this is a little known fact, you don't get to see this all the time. Uh. My, my a.k.a. is Atlantis is a donut. <laughs> Atlantis is a donut. Is. Atlantis is sort of a funnel cake. It is kind of a funnel cake, but there is a big, <gasps> big giant hole donut hole in the middle, yep. and you just have the, the tower built on top of it. That it's a... It's a fancy donut. It's a fancy donut. I want donuts now. I I want a gourmet Atlantis donut. We're going to need donut. We're going to need donuts. Got it. AKA Atlantis is a donut. That sounds like a really good rock song. Atlantis is a donut. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just to um, let everyone know, um, the alternate words to everything is also is Atlantis is, now is a donut. Atlantis is a donut. Y- you could be Atlantis when you're part of the team. Atlantis is a donut. donut. And we're living on a dream. Yeah, I don't got any more. Atlantis we're... is a donut. Atlantis is also a funnel cake, but now I want it to be like a glam rock. Okay. Like a, um, uh, I can't do it. I can't find it. Come back to me. Okay. Where are we? That's How fine. How was your week? Um, my week, I didn't know what to do without the Olympics. <laughs> I was just broken inside. Mm. Uh, no, I got back to, well, I started watching Leverage, which yes. um, we talked about in our pre-podcast Patreon stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we, I got back to reading Watch a lot leverage. more. Leverage. It's yeah, fun. It's That's, fun. That was the, the uh, And it. I have been plowing through um, Oathbringer. Oh. The current Stormlight Archive book I'm on. And fun times. Um, my library may not have an ebook copy of it, so I can put it on my ebook and read in the pool, but they do have an audiobook version of it. Oh. So basically, I have been sometimes reading some chapters, like while I sew. Nice. Because I can 100% pay attention to it while I sew. Yeah, because yeah. of what I'm sewing specifically, I'm making a. Um, but I didn't mention, I am currently, I don't, I've never made a quilt before, but I'm making a giant quilt as my first quilt made of little tiny HBT pieces that are entirely determined by rolling RPG dice. Yep. But, so I've been listening to like a couple chapters in the audiobook, and I'll just go to the chapter number. Yeah. And then when I'm done with those chapter numbers and I can skip, I can skim them if I missed right. anything and then continue on in the book. That's so smart. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. Um, I have also been reading. With my eye holes as well as my ear holes. Ooh. I made it halfway through Dune and then had to return my copy yeah. <laughs> to the library. So that's on hold. But I literally made it to the halfway point because it's like a 24, 20 hour read. Yeah, it's I made a long it to one. hour 10. Um, but 
I've also been reading with my eye holes two things. One is a book. It's a compilation. They're both compilations. Mm -hmm. One is called She Walks in Shadows. Okay. And it is a retelling, a reimagining, or a flavored by... Uh, stories of H.P. Lovecraft redone all by women. Interesting. And it's to, it's like a reactionary is the wrong word. It's a response to the fact that H.P. Lovecraft was kind of a piece of shit. He was kind <laughs> of, he was kind of problematic. Yeah, and and there was He's very few prominent way. women amongst other things. Yes. So this is a book Written and curated by women saying, hey, women know how to exist and are part of this dark, creepy types mm-hmm. of world. This is not just for men. Which is... If anything, women are more tied to the dark, creepy, yeah. like, covens, man. Well, it's kind of why I really loved Lovecraft County as well. Yeah. Because it was sort of that same spin, for yeah, lack yeah, yeah. of a better term. It's yeah. the reimagining of Lovecraftian stories. It doesn't have to belong to a certain demographic. Exactly. Uh, the other thing that I've been reading with my eye holes is a book called Dada Love and Starlight. Oh, yeah. Believe it or not. I may have heard this one by before. By an author that we, uh, you know, know best as Husband Jesse. Yes. Uh, uh, something he wrote, gosh, I'd say it was two years ago now, and put it up on Amazon. Something like that. Yeah, two, three years. And... I keep meaning to read it and mean to... I've read... There's like six, seven stories in it. I yeah. can't remember. I don't know if I've read all of them. Yeah. I know I've read more than half, I think. Yeah. So I I pick them up every now and then, but somehow my brain needed that because it's very... It's sci-fi. Yeah. With a little bit of creep or a little bit of... Um, uh, sometimes it's a little bit of romance. Sometimes it's a little bit of creep factor. Yeah. A little bit of everything, but it's all very sci-fi uh, and otherworldly. And so I read a story called Night Farmer. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot how much I love his writing. <laughs> this is stupid. But I don't read it knowing that my husband wrote it. Yeah. And I think to me that's the key. And I, I'm not shilling it because it's free on Amazon. But please read it if yeah, you're looking for something. Uh, Dada Love. Dada like like the uh, philosopher, I think. Dada, or the movement. D-A-D-A. Yeah, just... D-A-D-A. Uh, Love in Starlight. Yeah. Um, and it's by Jesse Toller, so you'll see it. Uh, if you go to Amazon, it's on Kindle. It's only digital. I keep telling them he needs to read it to me because I want to read it with oh, my yeah, ears. Yeah. And he's like, holes. no. <laughs> read it with your eye holes. I already wrote it. I'm done. Exactly. I have moved on. <laughs> yeah. uh, the two other, the, the couple other shows that I wanted to mention I've been watching uh-huh. is... Um, Ted Lasso's back on. Oh, okay. And last night, last night, they had a Christmas episode of Ted Lasso, and it was every, Uh, it was everything I wanted it to be, including references to my app, talking about problematic things. My absolutely favorite, highly problematic Christmas film of Love Actually. Oh. I haven't rewatched it too because I I have heard the rumors that it is problematic. That it there's is stuff that happens in it. There is, but I I haven't rewatched <laughs> it to go. Oh yeah, that's weird. Yeah, there is definitely some moments in there where it's like, it's, it's interesting how much the world has changed in like what fifteen twenty years. I know, I know. I've I've rewatched um, the Devil Wears Prada recently, oh, yeah. and I was like, oh, oh bad. That's uh, the only the only good person in this entire movie is the boyfriend. <laughs> And he comes across as the piece of shit. Exactly. Yeah. But actually, he's the only one who's 
who's like, bro, you've changed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, holy moly. Uh, and then the other show, speaking of problem, problematic, but purposely problematic. Sure. Is because we know Brother Matt just started watching this, is I have been watching White Lotus since the premiere. Oh. And that is, it is, I, it's so good and so fucking like cringeworthy watching a train wreck in the purposely done way oh i'm not sure that i'm ready for it but when i will i will yeah i don't know if you're ready for it because there's definitely some things that like so just to because i don't think this is this is not spoiler but this is just to tell you the broth of it. it it takes place at a very very high end luxury resort in hawaii oh okay and so you have people like um, the extremely, extremely like rich. I don't know if she's an heiress or something. Um, who is just problematic inside? Who is mourning her mother, but like still mad at her mother? Sure. And then who's kind of leading um, one of the like local employees on in terms of. Um, like helping her start her own business, okay. but then like kind of leading around because she's just a flaky rich white woman. Yes. Then you have the couple who is on their honeymoon who probably shouldn't have gotten married and are realizing that now. Interesting. And then you have a family who she's she's a like industry leader. The husband has some other job, and then the kids are broken as fucking shit. Okay. And brought this friend along. The daughter brought this friend along who does not want to be here. So okay. Like, all of a sudden, but then all of a sudden she, because she is not white. Yeah. And she's like talking to some of the local Hawaiians. So this is about a a race thing. Parts of the story, yes. Okay. Parts of the story, yes. Parts Got of it. the story are um are just about like rich people. Okay. And, and that's okay. a broad term of saying it, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, interesting. Yeah. Um, maybe right now I'm in, I'm in a softer mood. I've been yeah. Although I did just finish a book with I read a book with my ear holes called Nine Perfect Strangers, which is actually premiering. I didn't know this until afterward. Uh, as a Hulu miniseries. Oh, interesting. In like a week. Oh wow. Uh, starring Nicole Kidman and Melissa McCarthy. I do like both of those people. Yeah, and Nine Perfect Strangers, it's by the people, by the woman who wrote, I believe, Big Little Lies. Okay, yeah, I've seen that. Okay, so it's the similar vibes. I will say, a lot of the, like, the, like, quiet rage that exists in Big Little Lies exists in White Lotus. it might be the same type of vibes that, that might be why I can't do white lotus right now because i just finished that book very yeah uh but it's a very but it's uh, gonna be sitting on hbo when you're ready oh i yeah i'll get there yeah otherwise i've just been re-watching a lot of Shit's creek and then yeah. i watched a couple of documentaries about being a hollywood kid in the 90s <gasps> i watched kid 90 and then i also watched the orange years finally oh isn't the orange years it's good? fun yeah it's uh it's yeah you don't realize what a powerhouse of women that network was it also is like we started watching it like on a whim. Yeah. And we're like, this is actually really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will say the one other show, because it came back on this week, and if you need a serotonin boost, if you need to feel happy, mm-hmm. 
Guys. Get a puppy. Well, besides get a puppy. <laughs> Don't get a puppy. It's very right. similar to a puppy. Watch Making It on NBC. Oh, I keep needing to do that. I haven't been in the mood. Because, I mean, I was going to say, the reason <laughs> yeah. I was like, Nick Offerman is basically a puppy. Yeah, yeah, that's um, true. I love this show with my entire heart. Yeah. I like... Here's what it is, is you are an accomplished maker. Eh. You you are a maker of things. I am a maker. Whereas I'm a starter of things. Yeah. And so watching people make things makes me mad. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just makes me feel, like, inadequate. Oh. So I don't... I watch that and I'm like, I want to make everything. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> They're worse. just... It's so happy and, like, I love... I love Amy and Nick yeah. so much. Yeah. I love the whole attitude of the show. It's just... The spirit of that show is oh, yeah. my soul. The vibes are perfect. Yeah. Okay, but... June 22nd, 2007. Woo! Uh, written by Martin Guerra, directed by Martin Wood. There's a, there's, a, there's a minor guest star you may know. We've covered her before. A little bit. A little bit. By the, name of, bit. By the name of Jill State. Yep. Yeah. Tiny bit. It's Here's a... My... You know, she just... She just... She just... It was like a... Oh, by the way, there's a Jill State. Here's my hope. Yeah. She sticks around. Okay. She becomes part of our cast. Well, I, I don't want to say anything, but those are really small roles to have a Jill Staten. Yeah. <laughs> we need a doctor. We do need a doctor. We need a doctor. Doctor for the end of the night. Um, but yes. Yeah. Anyway. Uh big fan. Yeah. Here for it. I mean, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm waiting for us to get into the scene because I got a lot to say about that scene that uh, I really love. Well, yeah, we'll get there. But also, big fan, uh, we named our dog Kaylee. Yeah. <laughs> I actually yelled at the screen and I went, it's Kaylee! It's Kaylee! <laughs> uh, the other guest star we have is Michael Beach, who plays Colonel Ellis, who you may have seen in such films like Waiting to Exhale. Um, oh. He was in Third Watch, the TV series. Yeah. Uh, he was in Sons of Anarchy. But I think many listeners of this podcast may recognize him from his role, speaking of Jason Momoa, in Aquaman. Nice. Where he plays David Kane, who is one of the hijackers of the sub and and is the dad of the guy who plays Black Manta later on. And his death is kind of like why Black Manta wants to kill Aquaman. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. See, now that you mentioned, though, the other stuff that he was in, yeah. I think I did watch. I watched Waiting to Wait Exhale and I watched Third Watch. Okay, yeah. Or at least some of it. So I think... Yeah, he's been in a couple things. He's been in a he's bunch of stuff. He's got that memorable face. He has a very memorable face. Yeah. He has, like, we were talking earlier, it's a very it's a very distinctive authority style in this. Yeah, it's the diction. It's the yeah. way he speaks. Mm -hmm. Something in the, in the, yeah, like, you're going to listen to this man. Previously on Stargate Atlantis, remember we have human form replicators? Previously on Replicator City. And they're massive cities, and a fun reminder that, oh yeah, Atlantis is also a spaceship, certainly that won't come into play at all later on. Always have to deal with bugs. Also, the replicators don't like us because we're human, yep. basically, among other things, mm -hmm. and we do have ARGs, but those are just handheld. Yep. Speaking of Jill State. Speaking of things. We start right in meeting Dr. Jennifer Keller. Yeah. Who is the new acting head of medicine and uh -huh. really, really wants to be replaced. Yeah. This whole conversation, um, I love the role Dr. Weir plays here. Yeah. Because she's like, you're good at this job. Yes. Do this. So I've had people in my life, and it's usually other women mm -hmm. in positions of power, 
who were like, stop acting like you don't belong here. Yeah. You've earned this. You are allowed to have some bravado and be arrogant. Um, I, I think, you know, like we said, the world has changed a lot in the last 15 years. Yes. Um, but I think when I got into just the workforce, that was a lot of how women acted or had to act or felt that they had to act. Like, yeah. they were lucky to have a seat at the table, which isn't the case, uh, especially when you've earned it. And I think the way Dr. Weir treats uh, Dr. Keller here, she's like, you're good at this. Yeah. Be okay with being good at this. Also, there's not only one style of leadership. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a great walk and talk. And we learned that Keller basically stood up when needed. Like they needed a head of the medical department like then and there. Mm-hmm. And so she stood up. But yeah. she has, has a lot of anxiety. She's not been sleeping. And she's hoping the IOC will find a replacement like this week, like real soon. Like, I don't want to do this job. Do the job. You're good at it. But I love Weir's mix here. Yeah. Because she's a mix of reassurance. They're so like, no, you are great. Mm-hmm. Like. The pressure, like dealing with the pressure and dealing with the leadership is going to come in time. Um, You're fine. You'll figure that out. And like this other side of, again, just go figure it out. Yeah. Like at some point, just take the training wheels off and figure it out. It's an interesting balance of knowing when you're doubting yourself and when you need to pull back for self-care. Yes. Which, uh, speaking of Olympics, we've all seen it in action. <laughs> yeah. But but it is a balance and you want to know when it's okay to push yourself yep. and when you should push yourself yeah. and when you shouldn't. Um, and, I, you know, my gut says that Dr. Keller should give herself a chance before saying demote me. Yeah. Um, I don't know that she's... she's I don't know that she's... Um, let herself sit in the chair, if you will. And I think that's kind of what we're is. There's like, yeah, I'll look for yeah. a replacement. It's, well, yeah. it's very similar to, um, I think it's very similar going back to SG-1 when the first time Jack got command of the SGC. Yeah. And he kept writing these letters, these recogna- resignation letters. Yeah. And Hammond's like, I sure. Okay. Okay, I'm just going to sit them here for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Take a minute. Yeah. Take a minute to think this over. Um, yeah. Weir tells her that Carson was overly anxious his first months in the job as well, which Keller doesn't buy. And uh, also... I've, did you ever meet did him? Did you meet him? Because I'm one billion percent by it. He's literally a ball of anxiety uh, yeah. in a productive way. He didn't even want to sit in the chair. No! <laughs> Remember. Remember back. The anxiety he got just sitting in like, the Atlantis chair. Remember when the, for the end of the first season they got back to Earth for the first time and he's like trying to find the doctors? He's like, all of these people are more fucking qualified Please. than I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't realize it. Yeah. Um, also, not related to anything, but I want Keller's shirt. It's like my perfect cut of a shirt yeah. and I want to it make it. It is a good shirt. It is a good shirt. I'm a fan I'm a fan of like I'm wearing it literally right now. I'm a fan of like that cutoff yeah. of sleeveless style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the other end of the leadership spectrum, oh, yes, is McKay waiting in Weir's office, trying to get out of doing his end of the year reviews for his department, and he goes, "Look." I know, and I know you know, that I don't even know the names of half these people, let alone what job they do, nor how well they've done it. I don't care. I'll just go and point out the people who annoy me more, and can we just call it that? McKay would have been a great um, manager during the Industrial Revolution. Yes. (laughs) 
when it was like, just get things done. I don't give a shit about your safety. Or the 80s. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. But I that factory life. Yeah. He would have he would have commended it would have been, been great. Yeah. Um, and as a third tier of that leadership train, we have John walking in, dropping off his tablet. He got done so quickly because he just gave everyone excellent and above <laughs> averages, which I'm not going to lie. Probably would be, that would be my intro before yeah. I get better at the leadership. Yeah. I don't know. I've been doing this too long now to say that I would be in either of those categories. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know which I would be I think I'm a bit of a hard. I don't know which would be more difficult, like rating other people or that end of the year where you have to rate yourself. See, again, I've been... Again, this is what my degree is in. Yeah. I have a degree now. <laughs> my degree is in and what I've been doing a lot with that part to me is I'm like, this is easy. Yeah. Here's my proofs. No. Here's my receipts. Here's what I've done. I'm like, do I go too hard on myself? Do I like build myself up? I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, three is average. Like, do I default to that? But everyone does five. So if it gets too low, like that seems like I don't trust myself, but I do. But if I rate myself yeah. high in all of them, do I see like over assured of my shit? And I don't know what to do. Yeah. I was very lucky because I was overperforming my job title. Yeah. For a long time. So mm -hmm. I was like, I'm giving myself fives until you guys give me a different title. <laughs> because I'm doing far beyond what this title is. <laughs> McKay is just like, I can just give everyone excellence. And no, no, you can't. Yeah. And Weir tries to impress upon these two clowns that it's not glamorous, but as leaders on this fucking expedition, sometimes you have to do fucking paperwork. Yep. Every job is not the fun job. John points out that everyone who works for him is excellent and above average mm -hmm. and really Leaders don't lie, do they? I mean. <laughs> Listen, you're on fucking Atlantis. You're already like the, there's a curve. Yeah. There's a, there's here's, a curve. here's the thing. <laughs> a good leader does not lead with lies. What John is saying that <laughs> is that anything that comes out of a leader's mouth must be truth because leaders don't lie. Two different things entirely, John. Well, I, but again, is he comparing the people but who But that works? also is his leadership style. It, yeah. I mean, is he... Who are you comparing? Are you comparing them against each other? Because, yeah, someone's going to fell on the other side of the bell curve. Are you judging? Is he judging against the average person in the Air Force or in the Marines? Then, yeah, they're going to be... Yeah. Well, and here's what it is. Is he's doing the... If he just gives everyone meets expectations, yeah. like they all meet the expectations, 100%. therefore they won. I set the expectations, therefore I set them below what everyone is. <laughs> well, not even like, I think they're all good. <laughs> yeah. But so he's like, if no one's fucked up, then they're all doing great. 100%. Be like, to him, it made, it's just that black and white to him. Yeah. You it's a pass fail situation. Yeah, exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. You did it or you didn't. This you're is, dead or you're here. This still. is where Chuck pokes his head in and yeah. lets him know that the Apollo has just showed up. God, we haven't even made it to credits. What's no. the matter with us? Who is a brand new Daedalus class ship who it might be showing off because we're here early. Mm -hmm. And we are very abruptly introduced to Colonel Ellis, who beams down without even saying like an official hi or can I beam down? It's just immediately business, business, business. Yeah. I like that Chuck gets like a half a second of a line. Yeah. Um, the Apollo is here. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> uh, he's going to brief everyone at once and he wants to do it in private. Mm. In the conference room, remember those human farm replicators who like beehive we kicked over yeah 
they're building a soccer field, but we know <laughs> that replicators play baseball, yes. not soccer. Therefore, <laughs> Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> Sorry. I, that was my basically, favorite reference. Yeah. Basically. Uh, so the Daedalus has been making regular recon flyovers, uh, which everyone in the room knows about, but Alice told in them so that we also know about it as the audience. And two months ago, they took this photo of nothing, which mm-hmm. only means something when you put it in contact with other photo that was taken three weeks ago that mm-hmm. is filled with ships being built. Interesting. And don't worry about those ships making here to Atlantis, because in 12 hours, the Apollo and some good people here are going to launch a surgical strike. On the replicator planet. They're going to strike first. Credits. I feel like you should have said that into the camera as the title. It's going to be a first first strike. strike. (laughs) Wink. Lasers. Lasers. (laughs) Lens flare. Turn up the J.J. Abrams filter. That's why I'm not a director. (laughs) I think you should be. (laughs) When we come back moments later, they're like, so you're just... You're just you're just gonna blow up the ships, yeah, like just like that. He's like, yeah. You know the replicators, right? You know they they replicate. They replicate. They've been doing with a set of Mark Nine tactical nukes, custom made weapons platform named Horizon, mm-hmm. which has six warheads, four decoys. It's really confusing because they said like a set of Mark Nine nukes. I think there's two nukes in each warhead. There's one Horizon. <laughs> yes. There's yeah. six real bombs and four fake bombs. Yeah. Six real bombs and four are fake ghosts. <laughs> yeah, because when we watch the animation... It's real cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to be on the ship with those. Yeah, you don't want to accidentally jiggle them the wrong no. way. No. Uh, John and McKay both think that six is not enough. Mm-hmm. Ellis is pretty sure it will be, though, because he knows how these replicators work. Thank you, McKay. Unlike Milky Way replicators, these ships are made out of conventional materials. Yep. They're they're not replicator ships. They're yeah. They're not made of replicator. They're just made by replicators. Right. And McKay doesn't want to poke the sleeping the sleeping dragon. Yep. He wants to wait for the PWA PWARWs, mm-hmm. the planetary wide anti replicator weapons. He wants to send the Hobbit in with the ring yeah. to go around the dragon. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the Asgard could kill an entire planet of replicators, and we oh, no, eventually can will be able to. Can will be. Yes. Sorry. I Ellis, got distracted by Hobbit thoughts. It's fine. I'm distracted <laughs> by Hobbity thoughts all the time. <laughs> Ellis would love a magical planet clearing weapon, but who knows when that thing will get up and working. And McKay's like, in like two weeks. Give yeah. me like two weeks. Give me like two done. weeks. Yeah. Um, the, the replicators know the location of Earth. And this is keeping the IOA up at night. And they want this taken care of. And... Just like that, he takes it upon himself to beam McKay up to Apollo to inspect the weapons. He voluntolds him uh-huh. to inspect the weapons. And then just ends the conversation. Yeah, that part's a little, like, sheesh, dude. Like, It's not the only thing that happens in the episode where you're like, sheesh, dude. <sighs> yeah, but it's a good starter, I guess. Because you're like, can you... That's just rude. I mean, he also just kind of barely said hi and just beamed in the middle of their area. Yeah, I think the idea of beaming someone else without giving them a split second to catch the breath, it's like, 
I'm, hey, I'm going to give you five minutes to gather whatever shit you need and maybe go to the bathroom. My thing is more like when he beams in, it's like you could have like beamed into the giant open area in front of the gate where yeah. it's more like it's it's a little bit like Just someone brash. you don't know coming in through your side door garage instead of coming in through or your front door. We had a neighbor who would just walk into our house and yeah. you're like. Bro. It's like you haven't earned that right yet. Yeah. Like we walk into each other's houses. But we're family. That shit's been earned. Yeah. This is a family. <laughs> Unless thing. there's a sign outside that says, please don't knock and walk in. Yeah. You knock first at least. Yeah. Exactly. When it's just Weir and John left, they have two very different views of this situation. Um, this seems very sudden and very aggressive to Weir. Like they haven't heard anything from these replicators since they took the city back. But John figures they're not making that many ships to make a run in Atlantis. Yeah. Like, they're going to head to Earth. Yeah. Shepard's like, well, here's the silver lining is maybe we do need to take these guys out. Yeah. At the end of the day, our lo- his mission and really all of their mission in the long term, along with like learning about Atlantis, is really protect Earth. Yeah. So Weir doesn't take long to invite Ellis into her office and be like, this shit's a mistake. Mm-hmm. Which... Ellis strongly disagrees with. Yeah. He also is not about Weir's suggestion that they try and negotiate first as a stalling mechanism. To him, they're not, they're, they're, they're just a race of weapons. Well, and in his defense, you can't sneak attack if you negotiate. Yes. You, you can't, you can't do both. And she goes. And he wants that extra D6s of damage. She does. Yeah, he does. And he's, but Weir goes, they're sentient. Yeah. And it can at least buy us some time until the PWARW thing is made. Mm-hmm. Normally, Ellis would love to go 12 rounds about who's right and who's wrong, but it's not going to matter because he has orders and she doesn't have the authority to tell him to stand down. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Won't come back to bite no. him in the ass at all. I love this. Um, it's a good line. It's a great line. It's a good line. You know what? That line is so good yeah. that Weir is going to put it in her pocket. Probably. She's going to pocket that line. On board the Apollo, it's an adorable little scene with McCain's Lenka just staring at the horizon platform yeah. that's high above him. And again, where on a spaceship do you get rooms this big? <laughs> Everything checks out. This is also certainly checks out to be a bad idea. Zelenka suggests that they tell them the horizon isn't ready, which would be quickly disproven. So maybe we just make it not ready. So these are the moments where I know you and I talk about our D&D characters yeah, a lot. I know. This is a conversation is that a, would definitely happen. It is. Where it's like, well, what if we break it? Yeah. Can we break it? This is like the time that we tried to interrogate yeah. a person and then like, Accidentally kicked someone in the shins yeah. and then created drama. Yeah. But it all worked out in the end. So sure. Um, I do like I I I like Zelenka's like, what if we just break it a little bit? <laughs> yeah. And then McKay is more like in my usual standing of going, well, the problem is, is if we break it, but Let's, then they do come to destroy the city, then we... Then it's broken. Then it's broken. Let's not lie. This isn't our characters. This is This us. is me talking to you. <laughs> and me going, but oh. balance. But at the end of the day, and I'm like, okay, but you could. But you could just fuck it could, up. We could, but like, there's some risk, the risk-reward benefit. This is where I think I'm a good friend for doing this. Yeah. But... I've been in a lot of weddings. Yeah. At every wedding. Yeah. Right as the last moment happens, I go, 
are you good? Yeah. To the bride, because that's usually who I'm with. Yeah, and yeah. I go, we can go right now. Yeah. If you want to go, if this is not for you. Yep. We can go right now. Yeah. Wherever you want. 100%. I got you. And I was like, I, I just want to go outside because it's really hot in here. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's hot in here and it's cooler out there. I want to go out yeah, there. Yeah, which is why January weddings. January weddings are the best. Anyway. Um... I, uh, no one's taken me up on the offer yet, but you never know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. I also discussed this, so I, I think, I'm, again, speaking to our D&D game, um, I had discussed this between us, this this whole, the same thing, again, as McKay is like, there's, ben- there's pros, there's cons to doing this. To break it now, yes, we would delay it, but what happens if we're wrong? Yep. We were faced in our D&D game with a deck of many things. Yep. Which, if you know anything about D&D, knows that there is no there is no object in the worlds that is more high-risk, high-reward than the deck yep. of many things. Yep. I, with if I was faced with the deck of many things, Nixie mm-hmm. would never pull from it. Yep. Because while good things could happen, there's far too big of a risk of bad, bad, bad things happening. Insta-death. And so, but I had fun... My character pulling from the deck of many things. Yep. It did not end well for her. I mean, she got she got some cool stuff out of it. I am pretty sure that if if I could have one of those two cards, I would give up the really good card to have the bad card not be drawn. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um Sorry, I had to laugh at the dog. Right Kaylee's there. just mad at nothing over there. Kaylee just started to growl at a car that was driving, but then like halfway through the growl just gave, gave up. up. Yeah, she's like, ah, fuck this. Uh, yeah, literally. <laughs> it was like a gar- uh, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So before the Apollo leaves, John comes and finds Weir. Uh, LS asks John to come with them because he's just going to stick around in a cloaked jumper. Mm-hmm. Check out the damage. Yeah. And we also learned that we're called Wolsey and Jack to try to get this shit called off and that conversation went nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I I can see I can see Jack talking to her for a while. Yeah. And 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 you know, trying to see her side and trying to and then ultimately being like yeah, but there's we don't have a better option. Like exactly. trying to see if like genuinely see if there was something else, yeah. but he's like there just isn't. Yeah. Whereas I think the conversation with Wolsey's like no, 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 we're we're doing it. We're doing we're do- it. I respect you. We're doing it. I don't. I'm not even having this. I can see Jack trying and being like, I'm not finding a better answer. Yeah, I can see Jack being like, no, in a perfect world, I totally would do that. We're just it's we can't. We risk don't have it. an answer for you. Yeah. Um, both Weir and John know that the two of them do not agree on what's about to happen. Yep. And Weir tells him good luck as he leaves. And it's a very something bad is about to happen way. Yeah. And I think I I think it's at least for John, I get this idea that it's not that he's going on this mission. It's the fact that he's going on this mission and him and Weir even are at, at odds t- about are it. at odds because even at times where they they think differently about the situation, they're able to agree, like agree in their disagreement. If that makes sense, it's almost like an interpretation of an ultimatum. It's almost like a if you do this, we're standing on different sides. It, it, 
I, I like it's not actually an ultimatum, no, but it has that type of weight. I equated it to like when a married couple goes to bed upset with each other. Yeah, that's a shitty. It is because you can go to bed like with this understanding of like, listen, we don't have it. We're still on different ends of this, but we're yeah. at least going to make amends as yeah. a temporary moment and we'll pick this up later. Yeah. This is still like it's one of those. Nah. I love you, but I don't like you moments. Yeah. I love you, but right now I don't like you. Yeah. And so speaking of that mission, thankfully, all of our ships are data class, so all the sets are the same. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. We're jumping right Slap into it. Slap on a couple of different logos yeah. here or there. Yeah. Ellis has them start the final arming sequence before they even drop out of hyperspace because he does not want to waste any time. Yeah. Again, McKay's like, is this the right thing to do? Ellis is like, I want to hear We're not talk. having this conversation. Yeah. yeah. Look, Ellis is not enjoying this. No. I think... To, you know, to create, I think, a sense of fairness or maybe some perspective. He's not, like, bloodlust. No. Thirsty to fucking take out some replicators. He's been given a mission to do. Yeah. He understands how risky and yes. how heavy it is. But he's got the Earth to protect. And he's like, it's like, okay, um, lubber grasshoppers are a thing that happen yeah. in Florida. They're really pretty. Yeah. Huge. But they are destructive Hor- and they yeah. are, they're plague yeah. grasshoppers. So if you see one, you're supposed to take them out. Yep. So that they don't breed more. So when you're killing a lubber grasshopper, yeah. there's no joy in that. No. Not like, you don't want to do it. It's no. a, It's a thing. It's a living thing. I, I mean, I say this because I had to do that this week. Yeah. And it's like, you just got to do it fast. Don't think about it. Yep. You got to just get the job done. So yeah. so having someone like McKay be like, hey, let's think about the moral... Co- nope. And I also see Ellis as someone who is like, hey, these are our orders. There is an organized time and place to voice your... This is not the place for that. Exactly. Yeah, I like, am not the guy who makes this call anyway. There is a time and place that if you have, um, if you disagree with this, you can voice it. I will put it in the records and then we move on. Yeah. With our orders. Yeah, I'll put it in the notes that you didn't want to do this. Exactly. Uh, and but <laughs> that, <laughs> that decision is above my pay grade. Exactly. <laughs> so once they show up, they are right on the planet. They drop Horizon in yeah. a absolutely stunning... Open the bomb bay doors. Sorry, it's just fun to say that. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. <laughs> I actually, uh, a, a husband, Jesse, did perk up. When he said that, he goes, did he say the Bombay Doors? And yeah, I was he like, did. He said the Bombay Doors. Bombay. But it's close enough. And we see, again, beautiful shot of this destructive missile showing it. And we see the 10 warheads launch out of it and six massive mushroom clouds rising up from the see, planet. amazing. The most, it's like a mesmerizing sequence. This yeah. whole bomb sequence, like the dropping it out. Yeah. The, 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 what is it called? The head kind of burning away. Oh, yeah. And then like. Like, it just kind of slowly coming apart to become, yeah, what it needs to be. Beautiful destruction. And then... And with that, John launches from the Apollo, cloaks his jumper in the Apollo GTFOs. They'll be back to pick up John later. Yep. Uh, That night, in a beautifully lit nighttime shot of Atlantis in the conference room, Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of radiation interference, but yes, Alice, we got all the primary and most of the secondary targets. Yeah. I wrote just one last thing about that bomb sequence. Yeah, yeah. I wrote the end of season budget, though. Oh, it's totally that end of season budget. <laughs> it's a quick use all this money. Yep. Yeah. So John leaves and runs into Weir into the control room, and she will admit congratulations are in order. And Taylor and Ronan show up now. 
because they didn't really have anything to do earlier. Ronan does, you know, wish he got to see it in person, but I love the John's meta of space battles are way more exciting on TV than in real life. (laughs) Wink at camera. (laughs) Break fourth wall. That's when Chuck's like... Um... We have company. So there's a thing up there that came out of hyperspace and is now in geosynchronous orbit. And it's not the Wraith. And I don't know what it is. But it's fucky. But we do raise the shields because we don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So they tell Ellis to get up to his ship and have Apollo take a look. When Apollo gets there, it's just a little baby satellite. A little guy. Just a little baby <laughs> satellite with a Stargate in it. <laughs> well, it's like... Oh, it's just a little baby. And it's then you unwrap it. Oh, it's a little baby with a tail. Yeah. Oh, it's a little baby dragon that's coming to kill us. <laughs> anyway. Um, McKay doesn't really know what it could mean with a Stargate in there, but they do not have to wait long to find out. Yeah. Because that Stargate oh. kabooshes and out comes just like like Superman's laser eyes. This is the coolest fucking... It's so cool. It is such a cool... Like, this is one of those things that you run into in a video game yeah. and you go, oh, fuck. <laughs> How do I not die here? Yeah. Yeah. Out comes, like, giant red laser beam. It As it's turning around, it cuts across Apollo, like, not caring that it has shields. Yeah. Just kind of damaging that ship brand new ship fuck you fuck you and it comes to focus on the planet you see it like cutting into the ocean you can tell how it's like boiling the ocean on contact how powerful it is the replicators just went i see your bombs and i (laughs) slap my dick on the table exactly (laughs) my laser beam dick so the only thing that'd be better (laughs) so there's a shark Imagine, like, you open up your pants and it's just a laser beam. A sustained beam. If I... This is getting across. I don't care. If I had a penis, I would call it the sustained beam. (laughs) Okay, the end. Only one erectile. (laughs) Open your shields. It's after it This one is not for the kids. <laughs> like any of ours are for the kids. <laughs> oh, so it comes to settle the the. No, but I'm not going to say that. It comes to settle on the city in the shield, the sustained beam. It penetrates. <laughs> it doesn't penetrate. As as McKay says, um, it's bad for so many different reasons. Yeah. And uh, the Apollo launches some weapons. The satellite's like, fuck off. Yeah. Don't give any shits about that. Yeah. I'm um, a sustained beam, motherfuckers. Basically, uh, the shields, like, don't barely, they barely blink when yeah. weapons hit them. Everyone's looking to McKay for answers. And he's like, guys, seriously, I'm as fresh to this problem as you are. I just, I just came in here. Yeah. Give me five minutes to get my bearings and it will brief everyone. Again, we gotta be a little nicer to our scientists. I know. In general, in the world, but also on the show. Yes. (laughs) Give him five minutes, guys, and he'll tell you all the answers. Jeebus. Like, he's like, if you want me to have answers for you, you have to give me a chance to find the answers. Uh 
I don't know what I meant to write in my notes, but I just wrote, Beam is a shit. It is a shit. I mean, fact, but yeah. I don't know what I meant there. <laughs> so five minutes later, the beam is still just raining down on the city. Uh, uh-huh. The shield is holding strong for now. Yep. McKay comes into her office and tells her, John and Ellis, that they are all in trouble. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. Uh, once the wormhole is established, the other side sent the beam through, which not only tried to kill us, but that beam is powering the satellite, including yep. the shields. Yep. Oh, and fun fact, because the Stargate is so close to theirs and it's active, Can't our gate ours. don't do anything. Yep. It's just like, boom, sad. It's sad. It's like, uh, it's like when your battery dies in your car. It's like, whoop, whoop. No. Nope. Yeah. And... McKay just lets John and Ellis go on with their great plans about what they'll do in 38 minutes when this, the gate uh-huh. shuts down. I guess like 33 now. Yeah, and then he goes, well, actually. Well, actually, the gate's yeah. not going to shut down. Pretty sure the gate's not going to shut down because it's being powered by those unlimited ZPMs that the replicators can one, make on their own. The one convenient little exception to the 38-minute yep. rule. <laughs> And by the way, we do hope the replicators are the ones behind this because otherwise there's a whole other yet to be discovered super powerful enemy. I love this. I love this interchange because it, it's you You would think that this would come from the military guys. Yeah. Because they're like, well, do we think it's the replicators? And then that's when McKay's like, I hope so. I hope so. It's like, why do you hope so? It's like, because otherwise we have two bad yeah. guys. I don't want two bad guys. Yeah. We already have two bad guys. Do yeah. we need a third? No. Yeah. But I love that, just that interchange entirely. Communication does go both ways through Stargate for plot reasons. Mm -hmm. So Weir wants McKay to try to find a way to cut through the interference. And after McKay leaves, Ellis just turns to Weir and is like, why? No, you're you're swimming upstream. (laughs) You're swimming upstream. You gotta gotta pump it. And she echoes some words she heard earlier. She pulls that line out of her pocket. So she would love to go 12 hours about who's 12 12 rounds rounds, about who's right and who's wrong. But at the end of the day, she's responsible for this city and he doesn't have the authority to tell her to stand down. She leaves. And then John just kind of shrugs at Ellis. And she, I feel like he's just like, you did this. Yeah. I didn't do this. She's not wrong. Yeah. I'm not getting in the middle of this. She mean. And yes, we do get contact. Yes, it is the replicators. And yes, it is Oberith. He's not dead because fucking replicators. Well, it's like the replicators, they can just replicate the guy that you killed. Yeah, like his brain exists in like a nebulous thing. They're all part of the cloud. They're all part of the same collective. It's like the bar. <laughs> the cloud. <laughs> uh, he's not going to turn the weapons platform off, by the way. Yeah. Um, because... I actually really like this discussion back and forth because in the same way that we saw them build all these warships and they have no choice and like we had no choice but to attack them from Oprah's side it's like you're just as a big of a threat to us and we need to neutralize you. He's basically like I'm rubber you're glue everything you say bounces off me and sticks to you. But also it's one of those same. Yeah, it is kind of the same. It's like, yeah, we kind of wanted to go and destroy your homeworld, but if you ignore that part, you're threatening our existence in the same way that we're threatening your existence, so... We're just going to hold up this mirror to you. Yeah, we are both have just as many reasons to why to kill each other. Yeah, I mean, true. Everything Weir says about wanting peace, but also not wanting to sit by and watch each other build ships and weapons. Ditto, ditto, ditto. Mm -hmm. I love that she changes the tone, too. Yeah. 
When McKay realizes they're trying to upload a virus of the comm transmission, she's like, fine, shut it down. We're done talking. Yeah. No conversation's gonna be had here. I love that she's like, alright, I'm gonna start playing mice, and then I'm gonna go, hey, we're coming for your ass. Yeah! I love the tip of the spear uh, section of the conversation. She's like, may I remind you that every time we go to battle, your ass loses. Yeah. Um, and technically... They don't know what happens at the end of this episode. They lost. Exactly. They did not get to get a lettuce. Um, but that went well. Yeah. And we also learned from the McKay that when the gate doesn't shut down and, and, and you know. Yeah. Tw- at the end. Um, of the 38 minute cycle. Yeah. 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 I was getting there. Basically, our shields are going to fall in 29 hours, but I think it was 19 hours. It was. Times. We, yeah. Times. It was, it, was a, it was a limited amount of time. Yeah. At the end of those 38 minutes, the gate does not shut down. And we still cannot, we we confirm we cannot dial out. So we're going to need another plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. I do. McKay walks away off the plan. I do like the stop trying. Yeah. It's not going to (laughs) work. It's not going to work. Just quit it. Chuck's like, but this is what I do. I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to keep hitting the reset button. I'm the Walter here. (laughs) I'm the Walter this. Ellis and a few other the Apollo crew have taken the main conference room or some other conference room as their office city. And I'm like, you can't share with Caldwell mm, when he's not, not here. Yeah. Either, Caldwell doesn't like his things touched. He doesn't. <laughs> Either way, the other two leave when John comes in to talk to Ellis. Mm-hmm. And he wants to head back to replicate your planet and, you know, try to stop the beam from the source. Yeah. Makes sense. Ellis points out um, that... Because of that beam, Apollo is in no shape to go and do anything. Damn it. John's like, well, we have to do something. We can't, I can't help but think that somehow responsible for this. Yeah, but remember that Ellis is not a maker of decisions. He's just a follower of them. You may think that somehow you're responsible for this. You are (laughs) 1,000%. It's not a hunch. Like, Atlantis, have you not learned, like, as a city that you tend to knock over beehives? Yeah. You'd... (laughs) It's that meme with Eric Andre. It's like, why would someone do this to Atlantis? (laughs) But it's them doing it to themselves. (laughs) Um, Jesus. And Ellis is like... Why do you think that? Because Weir also thinks that? And he's like, no, we literally did this. Because I have brain. And that's when we find out that Ellis has read John's paper, like uh, uh-huh. his his back, his stuff about John words. Yeah. Um, and thinks that John does a great job. And actually, he thinks that John should be running Atlantis he does instead it. of Weir. I want to play on this because I you rarely see... Usually when you see someone negging someone, yeah. it's like a a uh, a heterosexual like yeah. dating type of situation. But what Ellis does here is he absolutely negs him. Yes. He's like, look, I know everybody thinks you suck. Yeah. But I don't think that. Exactly. And it's like, Bro, you're gross. <laughs> that is awful. You totally should be running this city. Yeah. <laughs> and I like, I do love, of all the things that John could respond yeah. with, I do like, he's like, but if I'm the man, who will, who will I rage against? <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love it because it's, 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 it's wholeheartedly true. Yes. But also funny. It's wholeheartedly a John response. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and to Ellis base, here's, 
here's to me again a, just a view into Ellis's frame of mind. Yeah. To him, if Atlantis fails, well, at least the replicators aren't heading to Earth. So we still did the right thing. I mean. But what's going to keep them from coming after Earth if it... Yeah. Meh, 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 meh. Don't think anyway. too hard. Yeah. Okay. So where is venting to Taylor? I love this. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Feeling like some of the military back on Earth is trying to undermine her. <laughs> if, if Atlantis were a man, this scene would not pass the Bechdel test. No. <laughs> it would not. <laughs> All we talk about is Atlantis, Atlantis, the military. <laughs> but, uh, you know, to yeah. her... To, uh, so if you look at the military back on Earth, to her, it's not only does she have the audacity to be a civilian, but she has the audacity to be a woman on top of that running yeah. the city. And Taylor points out that, like, Jack supports her, and the IOA continues to believe in her, and it's like, yeah, Jack supports me, yes. Uh-huh. Jack supports me, and, like, the IOA is fine with me when things are fine here in Atlantis. Begrudgingly fine. But the moment that there's a problem, here comes the military to assume control of it. Yeah, don't think for a second that if the IOA doesn't get the opportunity to replace her, they won't. Exactly. And I think that's what we're trying to get across. And, you know... No, Taylor, like, Weir does not want to plan out military tax, but this whole thing could have been avoided. Yeah. If we didn't go and fucking nuke their planet first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they she gives her concerns for the safety and the protection of the city, and the IOA, to her view, just ignores it entirely. Yeah. You know, they're fine having her as an administrator doing the paperwork. They just want her as a puppet. Yeah. Doing all of the grunt paperwork that they don't have to do it, mm-hmm. but making actual big decisions, you know, how often do they actually... It's one of those words before they trusted because there was no contact back to Earth. Mm-hmm. They had no choice. Yeah. Um, I love the type of friend that Taylor is here. I feel like this is the type of friend that you are. Yeah. It's like... I'm on your side, but I'm going to play all the other angles of this. Yes. Whereas I'm like, fuck them. You're right. <laughs> fuck them all. Burn it all down. But I don't know how helpful that is in yeah. these moments. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you probably want the Taylor Nixie friend. I think it is the, I'm not someone who puts, um like, puts actual stock into the fact that I'm a Libra. But it's one of those yeah. times where I'm like, it kind of makes sense because I was like, okay, now if you were disassociated with this, yeah. look at the, there's these other viewpoints yeah. that maybe, I'm not saying they're true, but maybe they have a fractal but I, of I, another way of looking at things. I love the idea that they're those two sides of a coin. Like yeah. those are good friendships to have. Yes. Because I think Weir is a, as, as even minded as she can be, yeah. she's going to be a, Fuck them. Fuck I got your back. <laughs> I mean, we've seen it in action. We've yes. seen when push comes to shove. Yeah. She gets a little, um, I don't know what word to use, but she will make a strong emotional choice. Yes. If it's the right appropriate and time. And just to, just to clarify, Taylor, like me, if you have a decision made and you need someone to fucking back you up oh, with yeah. a sword. It's happening. I will fucking. Yeah. I I may like beat you into the battle, yeah. Only because I run faster, yeah. But it's important that you know we all consider which friend we are, yeah. and then keep around a person who's not. Because if you have two fuckums, yeah, no, that's not gonna go then well. You're just gonna 
destruct. Yeah. <laughs> you need both friends for the yeah. balance. Yeah. Yeah. Again, balance. And same idea. I think our partners are similar because there are moments where I turn to husband Jesse and go, why can't you just be on my side and say, fuck him? <laughs> and he's like, because you're already doing that yeah. part. <laughs> And Nick's like, can you just make a goddamn decision already? Yeah, it's like, can you just be on my side every now and then? Seriously, a decision. Where are we camping? We have been discussing this for a month. (laughs) Make a decision as to where we're camping. (laughs) No. Must consider all sides. Uh, So, um, what what we get out of this is that if Atlantis does get out of this, Weir is thinking of stepping down. Yeah. And before Taylor can say anything much beyond give it time, yeah. McKay interrupts them and they come onto the control room where everyone else of importance gathers as well. Uh-huh. Well, Zelenka was going on about some idea that could have worked, it hit McKay. <laughs> the city's had problems like this before. This is where yep. Ellis cuts him off. And it's like, we don't need the history, just the idea. Hey, fuck you, dude. Everything I say is important. Exactly. Well, it's also like, dude, you 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 are brand new to this city. I do love that it comes back to bite him in the it ass. It does. We'll get mm-hmm. there. Um, fine. They're going to submerge the city. Uh, not something they could have done two years ago, but something they can do now. And it should buy them a week, maybe up to a week. Yeah. Ellis doesn't understand why. It's no time dilation field. It's no time dilation field. (laughs) Ellis doesn't understand why that would work. And he's like, yeah, see, the history part would have made that all make sense. If you'd shut your goddamn mouth for two minutes. (laughs) It's what the ancients did 10,000 years ago against the Wraith energy blast. The water eats up most of the energy, Mm -hmm. dissipating it. Makes sense. And of course, they can't predict how much time it'll give them or how much the replicator's beam will be attenuated. It's like shooting bullets into water, right? It's exactly like shooting bullets into water. Um, we learned that from Mythbusters. Yep. I remember, I've seen the video with the water balloons. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen, I think I've seen all of Mythbusters. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, yeah. Guys, I really like Mythbusters. <laughs> Basically, I really like Adam Savage. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm not against Jamie. I made my own duct tape beret when I met them. Which one's the walrus? That's Jamie. Okay. Yeah. I made my own duct tape beret yeah. uh, in college when I met them, and then they signed it. Nice. Of course they did. Um, also, Jamie put it, tried it on. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> anyway i still have it somewhere good um so <laughs> uh, they can't yeah they can't predict how much the water is going to help them but it's worth a shot ellis tells him to get it done mckay like laughs off that that's <laughs> not fucking your you're call. not my supervisor <laughs> you're not my mother <laughs> So just to clarify, worst case scenario is that they drain a bunch of the ZPMs and they don't actually submerge at all. And as much as McKay used to say it, Zelenka's not infallible. <laughs> I like how he consistently puts it on Zelenka. Always. When it's not good. And yeah. then when something works, he'll be like, good job, I me. mean, listen, we are three seasons into this. It's that me. is not I new. I did the good thing. Zelenka broke it. Um, But Weir agrees it's worth the risk, Mm -hmm. and McKay needs an hour to set it up, and they get to work. Yep. An hour later, eventually the science bros are ready. Weir gets the city wide and tells everyone to get ready. Everybody hold your breath. Just kidding. (laughs) McKay realizes that they're going full circle. I wish he would put a little humor into it. Like, hey, everybody hold your breath. We're going under. Just kidding, you dummies. (laughs) We're bringing air with us. 
All right, back to what you're doing. And with that, they submerge. They go down. And Weir walks out to the balcony as the city rumbles. And you can see the ocean being held back by the shield as they descend. The city gets a lot of, uh, you know, dance and action this episode. It's all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The beam finally is hitting the water. And as the city settles to the bottom, you can see that the beam is very much still there. Mm -hmm. Also, I should not to mention how fucking gorgeous this looks. Yup. It's real party. They All the stops were pulled to make this episode look amazing. The water is not doing nearly as much as they hoped. This plan has taken them three hours and they only bought themselves an extra nine. Yay. Weird takes it in and is like, okay, what's the plan? Yep. And they're like, that was the plan. Stop yelling at me. (laughs) That would have been my line. Please stop yelling at me. (laughs) Uh, This next scene is goddamn adorable. Yeah. John, Ronan, and Taylor are out on the balcony taking in the very unusual sight of being underwater like that. Mm -hmm. And Ronan... I I love him. Mm -hmm. Ronan has the drive to learn some science. Yeah. Because if they're in a fight or they need to break out somewhere or kill someone, he's your man. Mm-hmm. But when a laser's attacking the city, he doesn't know what the fuck to do. Well, and I love this. It's a reminder that Ronan's not a complete idiot. He's not. He's like, I need to be more useful. How yeah. do I become... He only learns things as needed. Yes. And it hasn't been needed for him to know science before. 100%. Which is the only reason he hasn't learned it. Yeah. And he's like, I just want to be useful. I don't think he cares if he's doing like the most basic things, but he's like, but if I'm doing some super basic yeah, thing that someone's... You need someone to run calculations? I'm on it. Well, it's more of the idea of it's like, you know, I'm trying to think of like a, a real world thing of this that can easily come to a brain, but it's not. But if Seema just has to go and push buttons That's what I mean. to like, keep you things working. You just someone to run the calculation while you go think of a different idea. Because then the people who are smarter than them can, like, ramp up and just do more important things. Every job is necessary yeah. if you can take something off of one person's... 100%. Yep, yep. Plate. Um, get it done. And... I give Ronan full props for that because no one on the fucking Daedalus thought of that nope. except for Taylor yep. in the finale of SG-1. Except for Vala. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. I Taylor, gotcha. Vala. I'm with you. <laughs> Completely Vala, different similar characters. Names. Similar names. <laughs> Completely different characters. Yeah, well, then, <laughs> um, I'm in full Atlantis mode, so I didn't think of it. Anyways, I give Ronan full props for that. It's awesome. John points out that they're a team. It's like the Fantastic Four. <laughs> the other two just give blank stares. Well, you know, John is is Mr. Fantastic, and Ronan is the thing. McKay would be the human torch, and Taylor's the invisible woman, and Taylor's like, I'm uh, clearly not here. invisible. Yeah. And why do you get to be Mr. Fantastic? Like, this is not an appropriate one-to-one comparison. To make for them. It's not. I think John's just thinking of himself. He's just thinking of his favorite thing. Because also, where's Weir? Well, it's also like, you're, if anything, you're the human torch and not Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic is the smarty pants man. Yeah. Uh, That's definitely McKay. If if anything, you can either pick... The Justice League. I totally thought I muted that. Sorry, y'all. You can either pick the Justice League or you can pick the Avengers. Like, that might be a more appropriate way to go. (laughs) 
because Taylor could be both Wonder Woman or Black Widow. I can see that. Yeah. I think she's Black Widow. I, I mean, yeah. She's more Because we obviously, shit. I mean, McKay's obviously Iron Man. Yes. And John, yeah, later, he's later, he's later movies Captain America. He's not early Captain. movie Captain America. Uh, After he gets some snark into him. After he's been hanging out with Tony too yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Um, Ronan is the Hulk. Mm, that might be an, too obvious of a choice, though. But he's also smart. He is. He he is. I feel like Hulk is a too obvious is he choice. I do like Hawkeye, but he needs more hand to hand. Is Ronan actually Captain America? It's the same type of heart. Yeah. Same type of spirit. Yeah. What's weird? Is she um uh oh why can't I think of his name? Eyepatch. Yeah, um Oh my god. Samuel yeah. L. Jackson. That's my brain just keeps I saying. I just Sam blanked Jackson. the same thing. Fury, Nick Fury. <laughs> I was like, I was like oh, what? Oh, why can't I just no? Where is where is Nick Fury? Yep, yep. I um, like it. So who would who would John be? Um, is John Ant Man? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe John's Hawkeye. Who fucking knows? I do. Listen, I love Hawkeye. Yeah. I would be happy if John is Hawkeye. John's Hawkeye, the end. Yeah, I mean, he's very, I mean, Hawkeye is extremely tactical as well, yeah. like in terms of tacticians. Yep. Yeah. I'm here for it. Um. But yeah. I, I, you <laughs> Fantastic know, Four is a bit. It's a bit harder. But like yeah. I said, putting John as Captain America, I think, is, is an obvious choice. But I'm going to put, I'm going to stand that. It's a different approach to things. Yeah. But he is the leader. And in a lot of ways, Captain America is the one who calls Avengers Assemble. I know. I know. Assemble. Just really, Ronan, for some reason, just fits later Captain America for me. It's just, a, uh, he's Bucky. He okay. I can take Bucky. Yep. I can take Bucky. Well, it makes sense too because he had he had a period of time. Yep. Where he wasn't part of the team. He wasn't himself. Yeah. I'm gonna say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can take that. I can take Ronan Ta-da! as Bucky. We did it. Because I really fucking love Bucky. The Atlantis team is now part of the MCU. There you go. Um. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so science bros are in their lab working. Yeah. John is expecting bickering, but that means Link has run out of bad ideas, as McKay says. If they survive this, the link is putting in for a transfer. Mm-hmm. And McKay just eye rolls it because, you know, you do your best work under me. He's like, bitch, I have my own department. <laughs> <laughs> I am my manager. <laughs> which which McKay calls a joke. And at yeah. some point, John is like, are you two just going to make out and get this over with? <laughs> I do love that. Which I mean, they could. They could. Yeah. They could. I think they just need to get real drunk and like... You know that kind of drunk where you just sing and like yeah. you're just sloppy as fuck. Yeah, they just do one of those nights. Just it's a lot of like bro hugs. Yeah, and singing and I love you, man's. Yes, they yeah. need one of those nights. Um, so they do have they have a day to figure out how not to die. Yep, John says, and you're debating who works for who. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Zelenka is defeated. I mean, every scenario he, he they, they find ends up in failure because there's nowhere on the face of the planet that the thing can't kill them. That's true. And that is when John and McKay look at each other. Dun, the same dun, moment. Dun. Suddenly the same idea. And I mean, their main issue is going to be power. Yeah. And Zelenka is very confused. 
And what about the drilling platform, John asks? Like, they can't take it with them, but there could be some power, and Slink is confused. Well, we just need a boost, John says. And then yeah. they turn it around the lab, and still, Slink is like, I'm fucking confused. What the hell are you talking what about? What are you even saying? We're gonna fly this bitch. I do like how long they take to point out what their plan is. Yeah. Like, um, you could easily guess what they're yeah. building to. But I, I think they're hoping that we get to it as they say it. I think that had they not shown a flying city, a flying Atlantis in, in the, the previous be- Leon, yeah. it would have been a better reveal. That's fair. Off to the drilling platform. Uh, turns out we have crew station there for now, mm-hmm. like semi-permanently. The and, crust drillers. Yeah, and they're they're just working on getting the power, like enough power out of it to power the city full time. Mm-hmm. Um, Coleman says that they're just started drilling into the crust and they can only get the 9% of the power they need. Yeah. So there goes that plan. McKay and John figure, like they can't use the ZPM because it's busy keeping them alive. Yeah. And water Crazy out. how that happens. Jem has an idea, though, that would take the strain off the shields for mm-hmm. some hot seconds they can get the power that they need. Yep. Mind you, it. again, I haven't said what the plan is. Yeah. They meet with Ellis. Lantian's moon has a bunch of asteroid-sized mini-moons. <laughs> so, John- I love this plan. This plan can only come out of John's brain. <laughs> So, so Lauren, it's absurd. Lauren is going to go up with some F-302s. Uh-huh. They're going to nudge one of those asteroids closer to them. Giant cranes. Which is a real dumb thing to do on yeah. any day that's not today. Uh, yeah. So in space... It's we, kind of like, I've always wanted to do this, I but know. never had an excuse. In space, we see six F-302s get close. Yep. Drill into the asteroid... It's very, um, it's weirdly erotic. <laughs> it's like all these men surround this thing and they're like, we're going to maneuver her. It's, no, it's like, it's <laughs> the reason you think that I think it's because it's like sperms and an egg. Well, yeah. And it's, it's the intro yeah. that look who's talking. And it's like, Lauren's like, I'm going to take it on. <laughs> I'm not intimidated. It's the intro you know, he's talking. There's no yeah, he's like, we're gonna we're gonna make it work. It's, it's very it's, interesting. I'm gonna tame this bucking bronco. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so they all attach onto it. Uh-huh. Of course and they do. A couple of them fire and they make engines. a baby. <laughs> make a baby <laughs> asteroid. They stop its rotation. It looks so goddamn ridiculous. It does. It does. And yet, at the same time, so fucking awesome. Yep. I'm here for it. They fly. They slowly, like an awkward they, ship. They hover it over. <laughs> it's, it, they make it work. They get, they start flying mm-hmm. the mini moon towards the beam. Oh, you know, what you do at work today? Just flew a moon. <laughs> That's no, no just, moon. Just, uh, you know, dug into a moon, thrust it into her, <laughs> moved it along just, with five of my friends. We are just continuing this episode's <laughs> this theme. This is NC-17. So back in the control room, yes, the asteroid should be there before this, before the cutoff time, and they mm. might be able to do this. Yep. Weir gets over the city PA and announces their plan to the city. Yep. Everyone knows... We're Pack in a your stickle. passports. We are in a stickle of a pickle, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and John and McKay have an ingenious plan to escape, since 
There's nowhere to hide on this planet. We're going to launch the star drive, head into space. Guys, Atlantis is leaving this planet. Yep. Is this also when Zelenka found out what the plan was? Did they fill him in before? They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I think he guessed it and was like, that can't be what they're planning. I know. That can't be what they're... Uh, uh, Surely no. you have a different idea. Nope, it's what I thought. <laughs> Surely you can't be serious. Yeah. I am. And don't call, don't call me, me Shirley. Shirley. Before they leave, Ellis finds we're at her office. Mm-hmm. This, is an, this is an interesting scene. The Apollo took all the non-essential personnel, and we learned that McKay has located a new planet, M12578, the mm-hmm. closest non-populated, habitable planet with a large enough ocean. In case you're worried, remember the Athosians are no longer on this planet. Yeah. Yep. They've already been moved to new Athos. I do like that they make it very clear to us that everyone else who's not on the city yeah. is okay. Yes. Because at some point, um, I did a watch, and then on my notes rewatch, I was yeah. like, Wait, what happens to the crew on the drilling platform? Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, they do tell us, they do tell us. Anyway. Uh, so Ellis is blunt. Mm-hmm. He knows that Weir doesn't like him. And before she can refute that, he's like, then I'm not crazy about you either. I like that. I like her. response. like, oh, okay. okay. Um, but if if he crossed the line in regards to command, he apologizes, which is great. It would have been better if he didn't put if in front of it. But yep. we're here. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nellis admits that he's used to making the calls and he didn't want Weir to think that he didn't respect her because he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and she appreciates that and she wishes the rest of the military felt that way. And got, Ellis. Got a funny way of showing it, man. <laughs> Ellis does go, I mean, General O'Neill is real fond of you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everyone else might be a little sketch. Yep. And he wishes her good luck and heads out. McKay and John walk towards the chair. The chair. <laughs> Running over their final checklist of things. They are totes going to wreck the drilling platform. Yeah. Since 30% of the power for flight is needed in the first 10 seconds, they're just going to use all the energy they can until they snap the umbilical. Yep. And if the plan of the asteroid works, they're going to have just enough time, um, just enough power to actually do this. And Lauren should be here with the asteroid in 20 minutes. He's slow going, but they're rolling it across the sky. Yep. It's happening. As they get to the chair room. I, I want some sort of like ancient Greek fable <laughs> or ancient, uh, you know, Aztec yeah. fable, like some sort of thing where they're, you know, because there's a lot of them that talk about how the, the sun has moved across the sky. Mm-hmm. I think it's like an Egyptian, like chariots yeah the chariots are bringing across i want that to be the or like the origin of someone (laughs) some planet here's to be this asteroids movement by the ships ships. like lauren becomes part of a fable i like it that leads into someone's religion um by the way there's a real good episode of voyager that does that Ooh, interesting there's a really good, and I, I just blinked in the name and I just blinked in the season. Just ask Jesse about we'll it. He'll it. be able to tell yep. you. But the cool thing is the way it happens in, in Voyager is they're in orbit on a planet, but the planet has essentially a reverse time dilation field there. Oh. So the entire civilizations progress much, much faster. Oh, it's like the episode of Futurama. It's actually, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so... They get to study, like, the star in the sky becomes part of the local legend. And because the doctor is the doctor, he goes down and spends years and years on this planet and learns, like, the local legend. Like, Voyager is now part of their mythology. That's so cool. 
it's really cool. And then they launch someone. Um, and I, I just forgot the actor. I know him. He's from Lost and every other thing. Um, I just forgot his name. What's Which actor is it? Or what does he play on Lost? He plays Son on Lost. Is it He's Daniel also Dakin? No. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. He was also in Hawaii Five O. Yes. That's a name I was about to say, but I didn't know if it was correct or not. I think it's him, but I'll look it up while we keep going. He's in the, the episode show. of Voyager too. Anyway, um, they get to the chair room. McKay confirms, "Are you, um, are you sure you can fly this thing?" <laughs> and John's like. Well, I, I... We're already here. And also, I've flown a V-22 Osprey before. <laughs> McKay's like, is that, is that as big as a city? He's like, well, I mean, you have to use your hands and your feet. And this <laughs> one, you just have to sit down and think fly. I mean, that's... It worked in Peter Pan. Um... I like that he talks about flying it with his hands and feet. Yeah. Because that's basically what you do with every car. Ever. It's like it's actually not that weird. <laughs> if you think about it, I shouldn't even think about it that way. It's like, yeah, most things are piloted yeah. with your hands and feet. Anyway. Use your feet too. Yeah. <laughs> John sits down to do his pre-flight, and McKay's going to be in the control room. Link is going to be in the ZPN room, and uh-huh. um, good luck. Everybody's ready. Yeah. Out in orbit. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren and his asteroid delivery service. It's like Kiki's delivery service, <laughs> yeah. but it's Lauren. It is Daniel Day Kim. Thank you. Yep. I was about to say that name, but I was so terrified that I was going to say the, the wrong, wrong name. Yeah, I gotcha. Anyways, he's in an episode of Voyager. I like him. He's cool. He is cool. Uh, everyone gives a, the go in the go, no go situation. Mm-hmm. And they're as ready as they're ever going to be for this, this insanity. How ready can you ever be to fly a city into space? Yeah. One by one, the F-302s uh, detach and slowly let the asteroid drift on its path into the beam. And here goes nothing. Here goes our asteroid shield. They start <laughs> rising from the surface of the ocean floor. And as they reach the surface, the asteroid enters the beam's range and blocks it from hitting Atlantis. Mm-hmm. The city makes it to the surface. She's cute. She looks great. Everything's gorgeous. She's like the little mermaid coming out of the water. Yep. Mm-hmm. John fires up the star uh... drive. <laughs> but we're stalling out. We don't have enough power and yeah. we are almost shut to down. But hey, they just need a boost, right? Yep. So they shut the shields down. They're going to need them again power. when they get to space. Mm-hmm. But they don't need them to get off the surface of the ocean where they can breathe air. Yep. Um, and, and the beam is blocked, so we're going to drop the shields, we're going to use the extra juice, we're going to throw them up again later. Yep. And that does it. We're doing it. And the city is flying. We're doing it, And it's it, launching towards space. And those who are busy go to the windows to watch the skies as they start to darken. Yeah. And once they're high enough, they start to raise the shield. Whoa. But at the same time, the beam finishes with the asteroid and starts shooting back towards the planet. It's pretty it's pretty incessant that and, beam. Yeah, and before the shield can fully envelop the city, it the beam smashes yeah. onto the side of the central tower. It's bad. Again, this is where you see that Atlantis is a donut. Now uh-huh. I am not going to like touch on the part where it's like, you know, when the beam was being blocked by the asteroid, you could have just like moved to the side. 
launched you know, on an angle. Maybe she doesn't maneuver the greatest. It's fine. It's fine. I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. Got a lot on our plates here. Um, but as the the laser mm-hmm. hits the side of the tower, the glass, including the people standing in front of it, which includes Weir, yep, are thrown back. I mean, I yeah. Yeah. And the shield finally closes and cuts the beam off, but the damage has been done. Uh-huh. John knows none of this. Yeah. He's, well, thankfully. Yeah. Because otherwise it might stall out and yep. that could have taken longer and then and, hit more things. And Atlantis gets into space and heads into hyperspace and he sits up and he's like, that fucking worked. Yeah, we did it. Where is everybody? He he calls for <laughs> McKay and Elizabeth over the radio, but he just hears McKay calling for a medical team yeah. because of multiple injuries, and he goes running. Yeah, this is bad. As the city flies through hyperspace. John races in the gate room to find Keller loading an unconscious, neck-braced, not-looking-good weird. Yeah, she, she looks real bad. She looks rough. But, I mean, she took the brunt of the hit. She did. Uh, and Keller... In a beautiful dichotomy is the opposite of the Keller that we saw in the first scene. Yeah, she's she's once she's working, she's just fucking going. She knows how to triage. She looks very confident in her leadership skills yeah. here. She has mm-hmm. no problem going, he's it's a flesh wound. Leave him alone and go deal yeah. with others. You throw him a band-aid and go deal with the people who are dying. And we have no clue if we're gonna be okay or not as as they head off. Um, John runs up the stairs to the destroyed control room because this is what happens when mm-hmm. the ancients designed everything with glass. Yep. I mean, they really should have considered, like, tempering that glass maybe. better. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, Ronan has a very large piece of glass stuck into his shoulder. Yeah. He's like, I've had worse. I told the medics to focus on people who I'm are actually fine. injured. This is fine. John's like, get the fuck to the infirmary. Yeah, fuck you. Don't, don't, you don't always have to be the hero. Um, McKay and Taylor both have lots of flesh wounds, but uh-huh. they're fine considering. Artfully done beautiful face, uh, wounds. It's like the least bleedy head wound you'll ever it's see. It's like the most beautiful wounds on the face you <laughs> yeah. could ever have. Um, Those are going to scar real nice. McKay tells John what happened with the beam and look, they're lucky considering, you know? Yeah. That's an alarm starts off, and he's like, what the fuck now? Yeah, why? Why now? As the city starts to shake and comes out of hyperspace. Uh-huh. And they were a few hours from the planet. Like, I don't know why the hyperdrive that. was is shut it, down. Is it Taylor who goes, are we there? Yeah. <laughs> are we there yet? No. <laughs> um, but I don't know. He doesn't know why the hyperdrive shut down, so we can't just get it up and running again. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's like earlier. It's like, I have to understand what the problem get, is yeah, before, before I can give I you solutions. It. Yeah. They're in the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. There are no planets. There's no, no moons, gates. No stargates. No idea where they are. And McKay checks their power levels and is a bit horrified to find that at their current consumption levels, they have 24 hours of power left. And after that, there is no shield, which means no atmosphere. They're just floating around. They're just floating in space. They can't use stargate because it's not calibrated to a specific location. Yep. They're fucked. But it's pretty. So they are... As as bartender Nick put it the moment the episode ended, lost in space. They are indeed lost in space. Yeah. I just wrote, we're fucked, but it's pretty. It is real pretty, <laughs> but we're super fucked. What a way to go out. Yeah. <laughs> and cliffhanger! Cliffhanger! Woo! 
This was really fun. I really this is my favorite season finale um of Atlantis. I'm trying to think of all the season finales of SG1. Yeah. This may just be one of my favorite season finales, period. It's really good. It's so good. I don't think it beats some of my favorite SG1 ones like Lost City and things like that. Okay, yeah. But it's a solid it's season coming in finale. There. Yeah, it's coming in there. So the fun part is it's a cliffhanger. Yep. And usually my spoiled butt gets to watch cliffhangers Not the this very time. next day. So here's what we're doing. We got some schedules for you. I was very thankfully reminded that while um, the Arc of Truth technically aired a year after, it does not take place a year after. The Arc of Truth technically sort of takes place before this episode, but we're going to watch it next. So here's what we're going to be doing. Um, We're going to leave this cliffhanger as a cliffhanger. So we're not actually watching it next. We're watching it in two weeks. We're watching it in two weeks. So next week... We are going to do, as we talked about, like a a review of SG-1. We're going to do our final rankings. Yeah. We're going to just talk about SG-1 as a whole. A wrap up. This would be a good time if you have any questions. Yeah. If you have any questions, if you want to know our viewpoints now that we've like seen the final. There's been a lot of questions that we know like haven't been talked about because it was considering things that Grace couldn't know about. Yeah, I was being shielded from everything in the comments and yeah. on the post, so now we can look through them and see if there's anything worth yep. checking out. Let us know if you have any questions about SG-1 that you want us to consider or talk about or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the following week, it's going to be a little bit longer for podcast because our episodes aren't long enough as is. Yeah. But we are going to look at the arc of truth. Yeah. It Depending on how it goes, I might break it down, but we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but we're going to look at Arc of Truth If in it two gets weeks. over two hours, I'm going to consider a break. Okay. I'm going to consider a breaking point. It may come unnaturally, yeah. but I'm not making anyone sit through four hours of us talking. I don't know if anyone uh, needs that. No. So, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Because um, I think we did the SG-1 film in one go. Or, like, the original film. We did, but there was so much less to talk about. This is true. That's what I'm saying. It could yeah. happen, could not. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. After we get done with Arc of Truth... That is when we will cover the beginning of season four of Atlantis because there is that one thing that people, not Grace, know in the first, in the in the beginning of season four of Atlantis that while it's not like a huge spoiler or anything, I don't want Grace to like know about going into it. I wanted to see her truth first. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to predict that... We're Yeah, I would actually love to know your predictions about how this is gonna go. Uh we're I don't think I think she's gonna be out for more than one episode. Okay. Um I think we're gonna see people try to figure out how to step up. Okay. I, I don't know just, how the f- I have just enough drink here to like Take yeah. a drink. I don't know how the fuck we're going to get out of this situation. This whole lost in space shit? Yeah. Because they're lost. In the, they're not in hyperspace anymore. They're not moving that fast anymore, right? They dropped no. out of hyperspace. They are, st- they are sitting still, hanging out in the middle of I think we're going to have nowhere. to hope to hitch a ride with someone or something. Or who knows. But that's what I think as far as that. I don't think that there's an answer internally as much as 
McKay's gonna try. McKay's gonna try, and Link will try too. Um, I, I think whatever it takes to get Weir back will be what convinces Keller to stay. Okay. Because I want her to stay. I'm telling myself <laughs> she's staying. And I think we're gonna see some asteroid babies. Asteroid babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lauren's gonna be an asteroid daddy. Yeah. It's just gonna <laughs> just imagining like an an asteroid with three hundred two wings. Yeah. 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 Like a little meatball. Just a little, wings. little meatball with wings. <laughs> and just like Lauren playing catch with it. <laughs> you got it, buddy. <laughs> Teaching it how to fly. Oh my god, that's a perfect image to end on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, any questions, send them to us at Tara po- on Twitter at Tara Podcast. On Facebook at There's No Place Like Tara. You can email them to us at uh, There's No Place Like Tara at gmail.com. Patreon.com slash There's No Place Like Tara. And I did want to mention, we do have two new Patreons. Oh, yay! If I can find them super quick. I believe in you. Um, We have a Tristan. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and then we also have a Mathis. Thank you for being our friends. Thank you for being a friend. I didn't mean to do that, but it went there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Asteroid baby meatballs. We're going to eat meatballs when we watch yes. that. Okay. Alrighty. Uh, we love you guys. Bye. Bye.